So when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, I feel the same way. And I want to I want to say thank you for the response and the feedback and the help that I've gotten so far, and I look forward to more. And I want to preface this one again saying, and my wife will attest to it, I'm, I'm struggling all week long getting these together. I was up late again last night in bed, rethinking, because when I get up here, I want to be clear, but man, it, sometimes it is, it is tough to, to figure out what you want to say. And I'm hoping today is, is like another, another Sunday that has already happened and, and people get something out of it. But I, I want to share with you that I, I struggle with this too and I'm, I'm working with this too and I think I am always relearning what I've already learned, rethinking what I've already thought and learning from you too. Learning from your experiences and from your real life experiences and hearing how that affects you and how that works in your life affects me too. I, I love that. And I want to let you know I appreciate that. appreciate you as a family for doing that, for being with me and for tolerating a guy that's doesn't have all the answers and doesn't, and, and is, is in some cases much younger than some of you here and much less qualified to be up here, to be honest. So I, I appreciate your tolerance and I appreciate your willingness to listen to me and to help me. And as I help you, we help each other and we become more and more like what God wants us to be. So today we're going to be looking at goodness there in, in the fruit of the spirit and I'm going to try and take you maybe on a, at least it's a kind of a different path for me this week in looking at goodness. So maybe maybe it's something for you that will be newer, or at least make you say, what in the world is he talking about? And you'll have to go and, and look a little harder at goodness. I want to read, a, I wrote down what um, kind of the definition, of course, of goodness is. And so I'm going to read that to you, and then we're going to go from there to look at some examples of Jesus and an example that he does in, in real time with somebody about goodness. Goodness is moral quality, uprightness of heart and life. Now, it, it kind of, when, when I'm looking at goodness and, and the one before that, gentleness or kindness, because in some translations it's gentleness, and in my translation it's, it's kindness, and then I've got gentleness after this. Different words there, but the King James, I think, has gentleness here and then meekness where my gentleness is. So gentleness and kindness, when, you, when you're when you going back to back between those two, uh, kindness is sort of that, that the kinder aspect of goodness here. Goodness has can have this stern aspect to it, a discipline aspect to it. And a lot of times I didn't think of goodness as discipline, but goodness has a very disciplined side to it. A very a zeal for the truth, really, is what this goodness is. There's a zeal for the truth behind this goodness, which makes sense when you look at goodness in the in the examples. I think you'll see this zeal for the truth that Jesus demonstrates in his goodness and his kindness, especially in the example that we'll get to later on, where they're both mirrored there. But it really does stem from that that zeal for truth, and it it has the it has the uh, I guess the it's well, it's like me. I've been rebuked by brothers and sisters before. Anybody here been rebuked? I know that's a that's a tough word, but or corrected. Maybe you like that word better. Corrected by a brother or a sister. That's and that's goodness in action there. 
yeah, love, but it's, it's goodness that, that my brother or my sister sees something in me and say, you might want to work on that. You might want to check that. There's something off here. There's some goodness in that. And go over to the book of John and let's see one example of Jesus and his goodness in action. John chapter 2. Verses 13 through 17. 13 starts off, it says, And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers seated. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them out of the, all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for thy house will consume me. In John 2, 13 through 17 there, I think that is an example of Jesus' goodness. Why? Let me ask you that question here. I'll, I'll, I'll let you maybe give me some feedback here. Do you see goodness here? Can you see goodness? I see purity. Okay. Purity. Okay. Okay. Maybe you're still struggling with the goodness aspect in there. That's fine. Because by the end, I'm, I'm hoping to, to at least give you another aspect of that goodness. But I want you to keep this example in mind when we go through the, the big example. This is, I think, Jesus' goodness in action. They mention there that the disciples remember that a zeal for his house is consuming him. There's a zeal for the truth here. There's a zeal for what God is wanting here that, that Jesus sees. And Jesus knows, he knows what standard these guys are supposed to be reaching. He knows what, he, what should be happening here. There's a zeal inside of him that drives him to drive them out. And I think that is part of his goodness. Now, keep that in mind as you go to Hebrews, before we get to the example that I want to sit in for a while. Hebrews chapter 12. This is right after the, you know, the the great chapter of faith there in chapter 11, where he lists all these people that that have followed God's word and have have had this faith that is to be... uh, to be celebrated and to be emulated sometimes here. Then he gets into there and he says, you know, for this reason here, you, you shouldn't, we're, we're following Jesus Christ. We have all these witnesses. So you fix your eyes on him. And he starts describing him that we're following, the one that is set down. You know, he's, he's endured the cross. He's despising the shame. And he's set down the right hand of the throne of God there. And then he asks you in verse 3 to consider Jesus who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. Here comes, I think, God's goodness, Jesus' goodness. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he, what? Chastens, he disciplines. He scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline 
of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I think God's goodness is seen there, too. God's goodness in the discipline of those that he loves. The zeal for his truth leads him to discipline me and you in order to make us more like Jesus. That's good. That's God's goodness. Just like he describes a father or a mother's goodness for their children. I want the best for you. I'm going to discipline you. That's goodness in action. I think I see that in John chapter 2. I see that in Hebrews chapter 12. And where I want to spend the rest of this time here is in Mark chapter 10, where we see an interaction between Jesus and this guy we call the rich young ruler. And see God's goodness, Jesus' goodness in action And the misunderstanding that the rich young ruler has about good and goodness, perhaps. We're talking about being or having the fruit in us. And several times, and and I've been thinking and and others have have been saying that that, uh, this, this fruit is something that we don't generate. We don't do this on our own. Would you agree with that? I don't do that on my own. I don't produce that kind of fruit by myself. Without who? Who do we need? Christ. We need Jesus to produce that fruit in us. That this fruit is something that is produced in us. It's not something that I am producing myself. And I think we see that here in John, or John, excuse me, Mark chapter 10. Jesus is going to have this interaction with him. I'm going to read through it and then we'll go back kind of through it and I'll make my points here. Seven, starting in 17 of Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> And he was, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and began asking him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, his face fell and he went away grieved. For he was one who owned much property. As as this guy runs up to Jesus, Jesus uses a very penetrating question. To start off, because, I mean, the guy's question is good, isn't it? He's running up to Jesus and he's saying, I want to inherit eternal life. That's a good question. That's a great question. But Jesus says, why do you call me good? Again, it's it's amazing how Jesus teaches. He begins with not just saying, I'm so glad you came. He says, let me correct something here. Jesus already sees something that needs to be corrected in this man and and is getting to the heart of the matter with this very penetrating question to make him think about 
goodness as a whole, I think. To understand, number one, Jesus' goodness. Why are you calling me good? And then understand his lack of goodness. I think there's two aspects here that Jesus is going after in this goodness realm. Why are you calling me good? And what's up with your goodness? Where are you in this, in this goodness thing? Because uh, as Jesus is going to point out through this, I think, is goodness does not come from our works. It comes from whose we are, right? It doesn't come from what I do. We've already explored that and understand that. And Jesus is going to teach this guy as well. Goodness doesn't come from your works. Goodness comes from whose you are. Who are you? Whose are you? Excuse me. I think that part of that penetrating question is Jesus is saying, why do you think I'm good? And what about your goodness? And whose are you really? You say you've done all these things. Okay. But whose are you? There's something missing in, in the goodness definition here. As he says there towards the end, Jesus actually offers him to come with him. Which I found very interesting too. How many times does he say to other people, hey, if you want to come, you're, you're not going to have any any place to lay your head. He kind of almost discourages a lot of followers. And he does discourage this guy, but he's but he's also saying... I'm ready to have you come with me. Come on. Be my disciple. Be my disciple. There's just one thing that stands in the way of you being my disciple. First, you've got to give all the things up that stand in between you and me. Because there's a huge amount of stuff that is standing up between you and me. Even though you've already done verse 19. Even though you've not committed adultery or not, not murdered or not committed fraud. All of this stuff. You still have something gigantic in between you and me that is challenging goodness that can be produced in you and through you by me. The question Jesus asks is not to say, I'm not God, because I don't think he's saying, I'm not God here. There are people who will point to this passage and say, Jesus doesn't claim to be God because he says, nobody alone but God is good. I think he's actually saying in a very roundabout Jesus way, I am God. I am good. But you don't see this. You can't see it. I'm going to challenge your idea of me. I'm going to challenge your idea of you. It's to draw this man, I think, to Jesus' goodness. That's what Jesus does all the time. Every time he has a question or every time he answers a question, it's, it's to draw people to him. He's wanting to draw people to him. And this question, even though it sounds like it's a standoffish I'm going to challenge you right away question is ultimately, I think, to draw this young man or I don't know how old he was exactly to draw this man to Jesus, to get him from here to here. That rich young ruler's goodness is not as complete as he thinks it is. He thinks I think he's, he's running up to Jesus thinking, I am good. I am good. I, I have done all these things. I am good. I've got this goodness. I've got this down. And Jesus immediately says, hmm, I don't think you understand goodness. I don't think you understand my goodness, your goodness. 1020. He says, I've kept all these things from my youth up. I am disciplined. I've done all these things. I, I'm disciplined. I can do this. And Jesus then challenges something 
very big. And I think Jesus uses kindness and gentleness, or excuse me, gentleness, kindness, whatever your translation translates that, and goodness here in the same thing. Because he says, in kindness, Jesus says, you come and be my disciple. I think that's Jesus' kindness. I want you to be my disciple. But in goodness, Jesus also says, you've got one thing that stands in between you and me, and you have to take care of that before you can come and follow me. You've got something in between you. So the kindness is reaching out saying, I want you as my disciple. But the goodness is saying, there's something that you need to take care of. There's something that stands in between me and you. He really wants the rich young ruler here to, to think about what goodness means. What should I keep? What do I lack? Verse 20 there, I've done everything. Even, even He even asks Jesus, I, I, I've done everything. What, what do I need to do? But there's too much there for him, right? Too much there, and what does he do? He turns around and he walks away. And Jesus does, in one of the accounts, he, it talks about him loving him. He sees him looking around. He says to his disciples, after that, he launches into this about money and, and the rich people and how hard it is to get into heaven because there is something that is standing in between them and God for some rich people, it's just money, period. For some people, like the rich young ruler, it's money, but it's also the fact that I think I'm good enough on my own. I'm good enough. I've kept all of these things. And Jesus is saying, no, you need to change that. Because the rich young ruler here, I think he's Jesus here is also emphasizing the perfectness of God's law. He's saying, yeah, God's law is perfect here. There, there is a perfectness in this law. But can you keep it perfectly? Rich young ruler, can you keep this law perfectly? And the rich young ruler is saying, I've kept it. I've kept it. And Jesus is, in a roundabout way, is asking him, can you actually keep this law perfectly? And the rich young ruler is saying, I, I, I haven't committed it. I haven't done all this. See, I, I am good. And Jesus is saying, oh, you're missing the point. Can you keep the law perfectly? And he says, yeah, I can keep it perfectly. So Jesus says, what about the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. And then the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. When I tell you, now go and sell everything you have, where does that put you with the first two greatest commandments here? Sure, you haven't committed adultery, you haven't committed murder, but do you really love God with all your heart, and your soul, your strength, that you will go and sell everything and come follow me? That you will go and help your fellow man and follow me. There's a disconnect here. That the law is perfect. Yes, God's law is perfect. And Jesus is saying, it's perfect, but you can't keep it perfectly. And you're not keeping it perfectly. But the rich young ruler is saying, I am keeping it perfectly. I do have it down. I'm not willing to give up my money. But I do have it perfectly down. Yeah. I think Jesus in this discussion here is emphasizing the lack of this man's goodness. His zeal for God's truth is being held up by his zeal for money. So when I look at this, this account here, I need to ask myself the question, in my goodness, am I telling God, yeah, I haven't done this, 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 I'm good enough. And he's, is he looking back at me and saying, Okay, well then go and sell this. 
I want you to be my disciple. I want you to come with me. That kindness of, I want you to come. And then the goodness of God saying, but this one thing you lack, do this. What is the thing that stands between me and the goodness of God here? Do you know what that's saying in, in your question today? If you were to put yourself in the rich young ruler's position here really quickly, what would Jesus say to you? Have you kept this? And you say, yeah. And then he says, what about this? What's that this in your life that is separating the ultimate goodness of God being uh, penetrating and permeating our lives? Because our goodness is from God, right? It's not from us. I don't get to be good on my own in this kind of goodness. I don't have this zeal for the truth on my own. This is the goodness that, that the Spirit puts in me and works in me and through me. God's goodness is produced in us and through us. It's not what, a, what we do that makes us good, but it's who we are and whose we are that makes us good. But because we are good, what do we do? What do you and I do because we're filled with God's goodness? I'm sorry. Sharing? Demonstrating. What else do you do because you're filled with God's goodness? Okay. You keep the commandments. Why do you keep the commandments? Because you're filled with God's goodness. Because you have a zeal for God's truth. Why do you love your brother and sister? Because you're filled with God's goodness. We don't do those things to be saved. We do those things because we are saved. We do those things because God is constantly filling us and changing us and transforming us into this new person that looks completely different than the old person and is filled with a goodness that the old person couldn't even fathom. And because of that goodness that God fills us with, we do good things. We give our money to the poor. We, we help each other out. We do whatever, whatever it is in your life that you're doing for God, you're doing it because of the goodness that God is filling in you. Not because... You're trying to work your way in, but because you're in and now you're working. Because you love God and Jesus who brought you in to begin with. We do those kinds of things because it's a product of God's goodness. Not because it attains God's goodness for us. Now, when, when you go through this and you look back at John 2, can you see Jesus' goodness in his driving out those people saying... This is not. This is not what God wants. There's something standing between you and God here. Let me show you what it is. Let me drive this out. I can see it in John 2. I can see it in Hebrews 12. I can see it in my daily life with God disciplining me. I can see it in brothers and sisters who have disciplined me and have chastised me. That goodness, that zeal for the truth that produces in us this desire to do good things. To live good. But it's not because we are good. It's because Jesus, the Spirit, God has made us good. I've got two songs that I want to to sing that kind of help, I think, translate this to... Uh, well, maybe, maybe it'll just help you. Because for me, I connect to songs a lot, you know. And throughout the week, maybe a couple of these songs. One of them is the one we sang to begin with, and I want to end with that one. The other one kind of just reminds me of, um, I, I need to bless the Lord. I need, I need to praise his name because he is so good. 
I am good. Because he is so good, I'm having that goodness produced in me. That zeal for his truth, that love for him, which pushes me to be that person that looks more like Christ, that reaches out and, and helps those on the street, that reaches out and helps my brothers and sisters, that is kind to people. That is all of that. So let's start with the first song, which is, I, this. the first one has the singing attached with it, but please sing along with it. It doesn't, we couldn't, I can't find the words either without the singing attached with it, but it's not a song we sing very often, so keeping the singing in there so we know what we're doing. Um, so the first one, I want you to sing along with it, especially if you know it. If you don't know it, just, just hum a few bars. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. song because it's it reminds me every day of the week uh, where do our blessings come from from God no matter what's happening in my life and no matter how bad of a week you've had the blessings come from God and that, that I need to be blessing him every day for what I have and what he's about to do with me and what he's about to do through me and when remembering the fruit of the spirit here and all of these things that the fruit or that the spirit produces in us and through us I need to be blessing him as he's blessing me, as he's producing this goodness in me that is causing me to want to 
reach out to others. It's causing me to reach out to others with God's message and a zeal for the truth and a love for the truth that shares that same blessing that I have with them. And right now we're going to sing God is so good. I like that song. And at the end, we're going to go back to the first um, stanza. Is that what it's called? Stanza? Okay. Go back to the first stanza. I want to, I want to go back to that first stanza at the end. So follow me at the end there. All right? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to As you go out, as you live your life, encounter the people you encounter, do whatever you do, be conscious conscious of God's power working through you. When you come up on something, what is God's goodness driving you to do here? What's good here? What can be done for the Lord here? What goodness can be produced through me for this situation? Think about that this week and wherever you are, because... No matter where we are, this stuff, work, home, movies, wherever you are in this world, it all fits in with this. Because God's goodness can be done everywhere. And God's goodness should be done everywhere. And if we are being vessels for that spirit, God's goodness will be flowing through us everywhere. Do that this week. Be God's goodness in action. Be that good deeds, that virtue in action. And display God's goodness to this world as we stand and as we sing.